Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou and I'm presenting this podcast to get your inner Frenchy vibes happening. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences with guests who live both in Australia and France and share ideas for how to connect to the Francophile within you. Thank you all so much for the fabulous feedback from our first podcast. The amount of downloads totally exceeded expectations, so merci beaucoup for that. I'm always interested in what you want to hear, so for contact, just head to the lulabellsfrancophiles.com website and leave me a message. And in today's episode, we are very lucky to be chatting to Marbel Ami, Sarah Swick. I first met Sarah when she was in Australia and she was teaching me French. Welcome to Ludabelle's Francophiles, Sarah. Bonjour, ça va? Ça va très bien. Merci, Lou. Bonjour. <laughs> we are so glad that you're able to spend some time with us. Now, Sarah is now living back in France, so we're meeting with a significant time difference on Zoom, one of the wonders of the world in COVID now. Everybody Zooms. And Sarah has spent um, quite a bit of time in France since leaving Australia and is a bit concerned that her English is rusty, but I'm here to tell you it that is. Yeah. It's very rusty. <laughs> it isn't it funny when you Excuse when you <laughs> no you sound just the same as always well Sarah was the teacher who accompanied a group of women as we embarked on a French immersion trip to France which was absolutely life-changing we stayed in the Dordogne in a gorgeous little chateau and Sarah took a group of us for French lessons every morning and we went sightseeing every afternoon and we loved this so much that we went again the following year to another part of France, which is what we're going to chat about today, the Basque region. So this is where Sarah grew up. So Sarah, tell us, where is the Basque region in France? Okay, so the Basque region is located in the southwest of France and it's a region uh, that is half Spanish and half French. I noticed that when we were there that not many people had English, but there were a lot of places that had, you know, menus in Spanish and French and Basque, the third language. Yes, exactly. Yes, Basque, but only uh, on the countryside. So if you go to cities like Bayonne, where I'm from, Mm. not many people speak Basque. Everybody speaks French. (laughs) On our immersion in this little slice of heaven, we stayed in the little port village of Saint-Jean-de-Luz, which is not far from the larger town of Biarritz on the coast. And we were so fortunate to have Sarah's mum and dad look after us all on this trip. They could not have cared for us more if we were their own family. They were just so beautiful. Everything was just sensational. What What are your favourite memories from that trip when we were all there with you? Oh, my favourite memory was... Uh... I don't know, I was just so happy to see you all there with me in my hometown to see that, you know, that I, I met you in a school in Melbourne and you were all studying French and then I could see speaking with locals and it was really, really good. It was. I remember you telling us that you loved looking at the region that you knew so well and all of the villages and the towns that we went to but you were looking at them through new eyes like a tourist. Yes. When you grow up somewhere, it's your country, it's your culture, so you think you know everything about it. But then you go there with somebody who's never seen this place before, 
it's so interesting and you can see it with yeah as you said with new eyes so i always say that it's like um like being a tourist in your own country in your own hometown so well, we were so fortunate to have you taking us through <laughs> that particular trip you now have a business that looks after tourists in this region so tell us a bit about your business that you run called be my guest immersions Okay, so Be My Guest Immersion. Um, I started this business two years ago when I returned to France and I had this idea to work in tourism, but I always found it, you know, very artificial. I worked in um, a lot of hotels when I was younger and I don't know, I found it a little bit impersonal. So when I came up with this idea to, to have this uh, immersion stays, I really wanted people to feel like at home, you know. I wanted to be part of the family. So I brought them to my uh, my parents' place, my parents' house. But I was not expecting my parents to be, you know, to be part of uh, the experience. But it, it was just so natural. So when I did the first immersion, my dad just told me, you know, I could come with you. <laughs> and I said, I said, okay, dad, if you want, just come with us. And that's what he did. And then my mom called me and she said, you know what? I just got some vegetables from the veggie garden and maybe I could cook this dish from the Basque region and I said okay mum just do it <laughs> so <laughs> they're just such welcoming people it would add so much to anyone's experience to have them as a part of it yes but they're just so happy to do that you know when you go somewhere you can go to a hotel and you can just plan your trip and you can go to some touristy places and do a lot of things and I was thinking what can I add to that? You know, what I can add is just, uh, it's just my life. Like uh, what we do, how we live. And that's why I always say, come to, to our place and come and live our French life. Because I want people to have this French experience, which is so, so personal, you know. So I think that it's something that we dream about is going to another country and really finding out the way that the people there live. But often when we go and travel, we only really see the flashy, shiny side, the tourist side, and we yeah. don't really see what's real. And I think when I've done immersions in France, I've seen glimpses of what's real, but it's not until I actually went to your family's home and stayed there for you know a little while with your parents that I saw how beautiful that life is and really started to have a much greater understanding of how amazing mm. that Basque region is. They also yes. are so great at being able to give us more information than what we would get from the guidebooks and help us explore. So you really can't get a better experience than something from the people that exactly. live there who are passionate about the place, I don't think. It's not only tourism, it's a human experience, I think. It is. I adored the whole time I spent in the Basque region. The food was quite different to the rest of France with a little Spanish influence and we even... I remember, do you remember we snuck over the border to have lunch in Zagramundi in Spain? We got that little train up the mountain that we caught. What was that called, That the train? Uh, le petit train de la Rune. De la so Rune. La, uh, of the Basque mountain. That's the, the mythic Basque mountain that you can find in all the Basque legends. If you want, you can just climb. You can um, hike in the mountain. 
you can walk and if you're a little bit lazy you can just get in the train <laughs> we got the train it was a very <laughs> steep mountain i mean i, I did see people walking but it's yeah, it was pretty pretty full on but i remember yes. there were there were beautiful wild horses running up next to the train it was just stunning yes. Putyuk. we call them Putyuk, and this is um a breed that you can only find in the Basque region. We also went to a little village up there that had the witches' trials a few hundred years ago, and it was a fascinating little village, a little bit spooky, a little bit eerie, but fascinating nonetheless. And we also had lunch at a little restaurant, and it was in the middle of nowhere. It had the forest all around it, but we couldn't work out whether or not we were in Spain or France, and we asked the owner, and you know, are we in France or are we in Spain? And she said, oh, of course, you're in Spain. I said, how do you know where we are? She said, well, there's the border just over there. We couldn't see anything. There were no markers or anything. So sometimes you're in France, sometimes you're in Spain, and these days it's all open and you can just go backwards and forwards, can't you? Yes. Actually, the border was in the middle of the restaurant. I don't know if you remember, but there was this That's big right. rock uh, in the middle of the restaurant. And you were on one side of the rock in France, on the other side in Spain. And if you look for um, the name of the restaurant on the internet, uh, you will find two addresses, one in France and one in Spain. I might put the links for that on the website because that sounds like it'd be quite an interesting thing for people to look at if they're ever going to that region. It was just beautiful and the food was divine as it was everywhere. Yes. I recall we went to a Piment farm, a Piment d'Espelette, and the Piment d'Espelette is like a little chilli. It's it's a chilli pepper, but they hang them from the houses. So I'll paint a little picture for the listeners who have not experienced the Basque region. There's a particular style of house in the region. It's a white house with either a red or a bottle green colour shutters on the house. And at particular times or for particular festivals, they hang these peppers from the houses and the shops and everywhere. And we went to a Piment farm where they make foods, seasonings and even drinks from Piment d'Espelette, which is like a little chilli pepper. And so those foods that they make have a particular flavour that you won't get anywhere else in France and I've never tasted anything quite like it before. Is that something that you would cook with normally over there? Every day. I just add Piment d'Espelette everywhere and uh, in any meal, any dish, I just add some Piment d'Espelette. I think as uh, all the best people, <laughs> all best people do it. We all do it. So it really has a bit of a different flavour to the rest country. of France. Yeah, Basque country, that's right. Um, the region is also known for the for its chocolate. So tell me a bit about that because we had chocolate with Piment d'Espelette in the chocolate. So it was really uh, like chilli chocolate, which was sensational. And everywhere we went, there were chocolate dishes. Um, so that's clearly a favourite with people in the area. Do you do a lot of cooking with that? Not so much cooking, just eating. <laughs> <laughs> now we visited a village which was start of the Camino Trail. Maybe it wasn't the start. Maybe it was... A stop along the way. Is that a place yes. that a lot of people travel to in your area? Yes. yes. So is it Saint Jean Pied de Port? Is that right? Yeah. This is, uh, I think, the last step of the pilgrimage before Spain. So I might explain for listeners who haven't heard of the Camino Trail, it's a pilgrimage where hikers will go sometimes from Paris, sometimes from other main towns in France such as Arles and they'll walk all the way 
through down into Spain to Santiago. And saint jean Port is the last stop in France before they go into Spain. It is a place that's very hilly and the streets are very steep. And when we were there, we saw many hikers, some of them quite elderly, and I was quite embarrassed that I was finding it. I was struggling to get up the hill, and they were just virtually skipping up the hills. So there are some people that just do one section of the Camino Trail, and there are others that might do the whole trail from Paris all the way down to Spain over a number of months. But some people get the passport, and they stamp different sections of it over a lifetime and they come back and keep on doing other sections of the Camino Trail. So if it's something that you're interested in, we'll put the links up on the website for that. We were really lucky to have dinner at a friend of your family's restaurant or your mum's cousin, I think, which was a huge highlight. It was in a very old restaurant. Do you remember that dinner? And there was loads and loads of food. We virtually rolled out of the place. Of course, I remember it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I remember that you were also surprised to see all this food coming and uh, it never stopped. So when I called him to to tell him that I was going to bring some Australian to his restaurant, he told me, "Okay, I want them to uh, to taste uh, everything, all the tastes we have in the Basque region." I, thought, I think you know we're only staying for <laughs> for the dinner, so I'm not sure you can do that. But he actually tried, I think, because he, he cooked many different dishes. <laughs> We ate so much and the food was absolutely amazing. That building was also quite old and I know that you told me that that's on the internet too. So if we can find the links for that, we'll pop those on the website as well because it was a beautiful old building. It was three or 400 years old and it had quite a, a significant history, even as late as the Second World War, I think. Did they hide yes. the Jews during the war in there? I think they did, yes. I know that this house has um, a big history and lots of stories. It was a beautiful, beautiful little village. Um, and, and a number of the other houses in the village had those gorgeous red and green shutters like uh, many of the places in the Basque region did. So cooking is clearly a big family gift, as you all seem to be wonderful cooks, especially your beautiful mama, Francoise, who cooked for us all in our week in the Basque. And you've shared a recipe from her with us that's going on the website and I'll talk about later in the episode. Is that recipe from your mum or from your grandmother? It's actually from my grandmother who told my mum how to cook and who told me how to cook. So my grandma, she just, uh, she passed away three weeks ago. Oh, I'm and, very sorry to hear that. Uh, yes, c'est la vie. <laughs> but she would be very happy to know that some Australians are cooking her Basque recipes. You know, when I was in Australia, what I missed the most was, of course, my family and my grandma. I always had this uh, particular relationship with my grandma. I just remember the smell uh, in her kitchen, you know, and I really missed cooking with her. So when I came back from, from Australia, I asked her if she could teach me some of her recipes. And she was so happy, you know, because she was a little bit bored and... She was happy to, to see me back uh, in the house because she actually lived um, on the first floor. So my parents have this big house and they live in the, on the ground floor and my grandma. She lives floor. upstairs. <laughs> what a precious time to spend with her. That's beautiful. That's a lovely thing yeah. to have been able to do. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I found 
fascinating when we were over there in the Basque region was how many cultural events you have on at night and festivals. There was an evening that we went to. We went to the church to hear a choir sing. It was a church in the little village of Saint-Jean-de-Luz. It was an all-male choir with a woman soloist, as I recall, and it was in the church that was built for King Louis XIV's wedding to Maria Theresa of Spain in 1660. And the story goes that the Basque region was swinging between loyalty to the French and Spanish at the time. So Louis thought if he married the Spanish princess and showed the locals that he valued their region so much that he would have a church built there, especially for him to get married, that they would remain loyal to him. Well, it clearly worked because it's now 350 years later and it's still French, which is fabulous for them in the Basque region, clearly. So each episode of Lulabelle's Francophiles, I like to showcase some French music, either traditional or current. And today we have a special treat as Sarah has sent me through some music from one of your friends or an old school friend. Is that right? Yes. Uh, We went to school together 20 years ago now. So we met in high school and I think he went to Paris and uh, I stayed in Bayonne to study and then I went to Australia. Uh, I just found out that he was um, he was playing some music. I saw that on Facebook a few weeks ago so I contacted him and he sent me a lot of uh, his songs to listen to and I think it's great. Well, we're really thrilled because you've sent through to me from your friend, Roman Dupre, a song that we're going to hear in a moment called Cool Mode Hardcore. It's brilliant. I've been listening to it all day and I just love it. But I'm really thrilled that you were able to spend this time talking to us and really showcasing for us and highlighting the beautiful part of the world that you live in, in the Basque region. I'll put some links up to the things that we've discussed and to some other treats that you might find when you're travelling around that area. I'll also put up the link to Sarah's brilliant business, Be My Guest Immersions. For anyone that is going to be travelling over in that area of the world, it is well worth logging in a visit with Sarah because having gone through two immersions with her in two different regions of France, I can definitely recommend her as your tour guide and also her family as the most wonderful welcoming people. So if you're going to actually go over there and spend some time with the Be My Guest Immersions program, it will be a lovely experience. So thank you so much for talking to us today, Sarah. Merci beaucoup. Merci. And it's been wonderful to hear your voice. It'll be even more wonderful when we can come back together and uh, catch up in France. Of course, yes. I'm waiting for you. (laughs) Well, we'll come there as soon as we can, but I think it's going to take a while after COVID at the moment. Um, Thanks so much for all of that chat. And now we'll hear from Romain Dupre. Je croise un pétard Envie d'un peu d'audio Je tourne les potards Pas vu les icos Ou bien ils sont très en retard Je vais me la jouer solo Car il n'est pas trop tard Pour être égoïste Égoïste Mais quand je perds le nord Si je me plais dans les remords Je suis bien plus fort Si je plais le coup de mode hardcore 
sincère. C'est vrai qu'au début ça fait un petit peu des éclairs. And if you would like to hear it again, just head to the littlebellsfrankophile.com website and follow the links to episode two in the blog. We heard before the song from Sarah Swick about how much she adored cooking with her grandmother. When I visited the Basque country, I was fortunate enough to hang out in the kitchen with Sarah's mum, Francoise, and she made this beautiful recipe that was handed down through the family. It's called Poulet Basque's. And it's traditional to the Basque region with that particular Basque flavour which comes from their signature crop grown throughout the region, Piedmont d'Espelette. In Australia, that'd be a little hard to come by, so you could substitute chilli powder or maybe even cayenne pepper. It would still give the sense of this dish, but if you want the real thing, it is absolutely worth a trip to the southwest of France near the Spanish border to taste it. So the name Poulet Basquez means literally Basque chicken and it's made by cutting your chook into pieces and frying off to brown in some extra virgin olive oil, then adding green capsicum, onions and tomatoes and cooking slowly over a low heat so the mixture simmers quietly and releases the flavours. I love that term, simmers quietly. It's so French. We would say put it on a low simmer, but they give their food more of a mood description when cooking. So we'll simmer quietly then. At some point near the end, the Piedmont d'Espelette is added and it's served with rice or more traditionally with potatoes. So you can find this recipe on the lulabellesfrancophiles.com website and cook yourself up a basque storm whilst in lockdown wherever you may be.
So stay tuned for another episode of Little Bell's Francophiles. We'll hear again in coming episodes from Sarah as she is now about to take off and travel around France in a camper van. As travellers can't come to her during this COVID time, she has decided to go and see more of France for herself. And we can follow some of her journey with some backpacker chickens every now and again. So that is something to look forward to. But for now, say au revoir, bonne journée et à bientôt.